what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings that are living way outside the box. You're in your own lane, doing your own thing. You're creators, entrepreneurs, makers, doers, innovators, producers, artists, all kinds of people, healers, people just carving out your own path. I get it. I get you. We get you. My guests get you. We're all very much the same. Uh, you know, listen, we're all here just figuring out our own path, what works for us. A lot of times, you know, society will tell you this is the way it should be and this is how you should do it. Or maybe you're just highly misunderstood uh, because you're just trying to do your own thing. And um, this is a space here to talk about that more than anything else. My guests would easily concur with you. None of them have taken any kind of conventional path at all. Um, and they've always been very... Um, you know, in their own lane, if you will. And it has not always been met with ease, of course. There's a lot of change and transformation in the process. So um, for all of my uh, day one listeners, very, very, very much appreciate you guys for being a part of the entire journey. For my newer listeners, very appreciative that you're finally here and connecting. As everybody will tell you, you can um, connect with me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. Reach out to me there. They've got several different, um, you know, things you can learn about me or you can just reach out to me at Hustle Sold Separately at HDF Magazine if you want to get into the conversation at the intersection of creativity, culture and entrepreneurship. And, uh, you know, also for the newer listeners, I would say we don't discuss success as this metric title driven place or um, glamorize it the way sometimes media does with a lot of people. We have very real raw conversations about what people are experiencing in real time, whether it's their first, second, third, 50th venture or they're in um, a, a, an area of their craft that they're really mastering and continuing to learn. Um, that's where the real raw uh, journey is. And that's where I think all the, not think, that's where I know all the lessons are um, that really humanize the creative journey, humanize the entrepreneurial journey. So with that, we've got another amazing episode and we're gonna be talking about breaking self-limiting behaviors. And not only that, but also by doing so in healing addictions, traumas, triggers, other things that you've gotten, whether in this lifetime, past lifetimes, if you wanna go that route with us, um, in a lot of different ways. but. Breaking self-limiting behaviors is huge um, because it's happening at, in, in layers. It's happening in different levels. Um, it sometimes comes out as worthiness issues. It comes out in what you decide you want to go after for your life, how you can better your relationships, better your health, better your, your jobs, better your business, better your finances, better all of these things that sometimes you don't even realize are happening at a very subconscious level. And, um, and there's a lot of other things that it also kind of can bleed over into. And again, that there's layers because healing has layers. So you may discover something about yourself, heal it, and then it may bring up something new that was underneath that, right? And we're going to talk a lot about these types of things because why is this important? Well, in our pursuit of our best selves um, and constantly understanding our behavior towards ourselves and towards others that rely on us, we have to break 
the shit. <laughs> we have to get it like we have to get out of our own ways. And a lot of times we are the blocks. If you don't, um, you know, try to better understand yourself or your craft or anything in your life, um, you can easily become your own block. And that's what we're going to talk about it. And I've got one of the perfect people to talk about it with Nathan Cullerman, human optimization and psycho spiritual transformational coach. Uh, I've trained with him um, in uh, animal flow uh, technique and uh, movement and mobility and flexibility. Uh, and he's taught me a lot about um, about that aspect of the body. And I've gotten to just know him over the last couple of years. And so it's great to have him in the studio. And um, he's coached and facilitated and trained professional athletes from the NFL and PGA, soldiers in the U.S. Army, men's groups, and other coaches on how to overcome mental, emotional, and physical blocks, incorporating methods and modalities such as breathwork, gateway heart healing, meditation, movement, neurolinguistics programming, psychedelic integration, and quantum healing. Um, so that's massive. <laughs> I mean, you can only imagine what you would come out of. Uh, and I also really appreciate the fact is that he's also done it for himself and continues to do it for himself. And I've said this in other podcasts and I've said this on my content that, you know, the people that we try and strive to learn from a they're human beings and they're constantly learning and B that they're, um, the wisdom that they're imparting unto others is because they're using it on themselves in some way that they're, they're going through all of the different layers themselves. How else can they teach if they're not doing, I say, go after the teachers that do right. Um, and just a side note, he's also former military as us army veteran. So he's seen some things, he's done some things and, uh, we're going to talk to him here. So thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you, brother. Thank yeah. you. So yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I appreciate you coming down to the studio and I always, so the first question is always the same, um, because it gives the context for like everything else. How the hell did we get here? <laughs> you know, like I was, and, and I was, it's always fun. That's the, that's some of the. It's the only question that's the same and it's some of the most fun for me because um, you get to understand why the person is involved in the things that they're involved in now. And then, of course, we're going to continue to talk about healing and traumas and things like that and, you know, just breaking these behaviors. So you can go as far back as you want. And I mean, you can go, you know, high school, you could be your birth, birthing canal, whatever. <laughs> no, but whatever, whatever you want. Yeah, man. Thank you. So I guess it all started in the womb. You know, yeah. this is actually something that we both experience in gateway heart healing. Right. You know, you saw me have an, an extremely somatic release, mm -hmm. you know, when we were going through healing of the womb. And it wasn't until after that that I had discovered from my mother that my father had pushed her down a flight of stairs, held her at gunpoint. Mm. And, you know, just like Bane, you know, I was born literally bred in darkness, you mm. know, being abused at a, at a very young age by my older brother, things that I can't remember, but now influencing impacting the relationship i'm able to have with family now was tremendously impacted then mm. you know and then growing up i i started martial arts at five years old i practiced for 11 years mm. and throughout that time i was bullied in school i was always the black sheep i was always the one left out of things not picked for kickball even little micro traumas like that mm. so that being the only resource that i had you know, I didn't have anyone else really other than myself and my sister who pretty much raised me. You know, my parents worked very hard. Dad's an engineer, mother's a family nurse practitioner. And, you know, at seven or eight years old, I tried to commit suicide for the first time, mm. you know, because I just felt so alone and my household wasn't very constructive, wasn't very safe, you know, and that was partly, mostly stemming from my father's side of things. So, you know, I never really knew what being a man was or how to show up or how to truly show up as, you know, quote unquote, my, my best self. And that's what I thought it was. That's all I really thought anything was, was just chaos and darkness and being alone. And that was it. 
So being an athlete, I participated in baseball, football, wrestling, you name it, trying to be a part of the team. But again, I always felt left out. And it came to a point when my parents got divorced and my father was out of the house. And for the first time, I felt free, mm -hmm. right? Free from chaos, free from destruction. But because that was, that, that was what I was so used to, I pursued it. So I ended up getting involved in gang culture. I ended up getting jumped into a, a crew at 15 years old and started doing drugs, starting from, you know, whether it be marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, were the big ones starting out. And eventually it led to a path of heroin and being addicted to heroin at 16 years old, in and out of different high schools, constantly fighting on the streets, backyard brawling, all that stuff. It came to a point in December 2009 when I had reached out to my sister for help and her and my mother sat me down and said, if you don't stop what you're doing, then you're gonna wind up in jail or dead. So as fate would have it, as the universe has its coincidences, there were US Army recruiters standing on the front porch of my high school when I went back and I made the decision to enlist. So I signed the paperwork at 17 years old, left a month after my 18th birthday, and that was that. So. Going into the military, served five and a half years honorably until I was medically discharged. I achieved the rank of sergeant and I was, you know, aiming to go staff sergeant, warrant officer, and I thought that was going to be my career. I had finally found a family. I finally found a sense of belonging. I finally found something that I was extremely good at, extremely, extremely good at. And when I was in the military, I got in trouble, of course, <laughs> on my 19th birthday, ended up getting into a fight and locked down on post. And they said, you can do three things. You can go to the church, chow hall, and the gym. And because I had pretty much revoked religion after my parents' divorce, because then, you know, we didn't have a family to go to church to, I immediately went to the gym and food. And that is when I really dove into fitness, my own fitness journey. And I fell in love with it. It was the first thing that I found a release to that extent since martial arts. And that became my life. And I pursued that day in day out every hour on the hour which led me into bodybuilding powerlifting my first bodybuilding show in 2014 after I'd gotten back from deployment so pursuing on that path I ended up pushing my body to extreme conditions I was aiming to you know join special forces and become a green beret and you know fight for honor and valor and all these things and I ended up getting medically discharged for exertional compartment syndrome both my legs and that is essentially a overuse injury, right? Myofascial disorder where toxins get trapped in the legs. And when I run, it was probably one of the most painful, excruciating experiences that I could describe as shin splints on steroids, as if you had cactuses, cacti, I should say, going into your legs and there wasn't an escape. So they offered me an option. They said, you can get surgery at the age of 23, 24 years old mm -hmm. or get out. So. I ended up taking the medical discharge and pursued my career in health and wellness and fitness. And I was still bodybuilding at the time, still powerlifting. As long as I wasn't running, it, was, it wasn't really that big of an issue. So I pursued that fully. I ended up becoming a uh, global bodybuilding organization, professional bodybuilder at my highest. I was 253 pounds. And quite honestly, I was wearing just this mask, a mask for so long and mm. always seeking validation and approval from others because I didn't really see what low, what lied beneath the surface. So fast forward to about March, 2017, I was a trainer at lifetime, leaned on the granite counter, snapped off, tore my entire hand open. 
tore four tendons, severed my radial artery, my median nerve. And not only was that an awakening to see what I was doing in my body, but what I was doing to my heart, what I was doing to my soul. And that is when I started quote unquote doing the work. And I started with different transformational training and I started learning the vocabulary, such as stories and rackets and constant complaints and looking at the best and the higher self. And I started getting introduced to this world just fascinated me and I became obsessed with it as Katie who developed gateway heart healing had mentioned to me one time throughout our course is that I became addicted to the healing and I really sat with that and I started seeing that I was addicted to pain and chaos for so long that I chose to become addicted to drugs because it was the only thing that made me feel something other than pain something that I was seeking subconsciously but I didn't have the right tools to get there myself and once I stumbled upon this training I realized in those moments that these are the tools that I've been looking for, searching for, for 24 years. And being in psychotherapy since I was seven years old, it that was all I knew was therapy, psychiatrics, psychologists, all this, all this stuff that I was given for so many, so many, so many years and different belief systems and family systems that were just handed down time after time, after time, after time again. And after that, I started my business, what was formerly new life, health and wellness before I understood how important trademarks were, I decided to rebrand into new intention. And at the start, it was really focused around helping others out of pain and discomfort in the physical form, looking at biomechanics, looking at joint function, looking at how the brain communicated the body and how that showed up as instability or improper movement patterns, which were the contributing root factors of pain. And, you know, I've worked with over 500 people in the past last five years. And I remember this one client distinctly that I had who had fibromyalgia, which is more of a psychological pain disorder. And no matter how much movement I could give him or how many techniques or modalities or anything else, the pain would never go away. And it sat really deeply with me. And he was a veteran, severe post-traumatic stress, and it clicked. And I said, if I really want to help people to this capacity to get out of pain, to get out of discomfort and to heal themselves, and to step into their higher self and to optimize themselves, I had to look at it from multiple lenses through the mind, through the body, through the heart, through the divine. And that's when I truly dove in on psycho spiritual modalities, whether it's be through addiction recovery, psychedelic integration, and just my experience with plant medicine and the wonders that it's done for me. And then also looking at the subconscious mind, right? If we have movement patterns that are just habitual in nature, every step we take, where does that come from, right? And looking at it from a behavioral standpoint, why do we keep doing the things that we keep doing? Why do we keep seeking things outwardly outside of us, trying to fill this hole or this void within us that was created through pain, chaos, trauma, anything else? And, and why do we attach to these things? And I became obsessed with that because I wanted to understand it more fully for myself because I found myself attached and addicted to relationships, to sex, to porn, to drugs, to anything I can get my hands on. And it wasn't until I really started realizing that it's not about what you're addicted to. It's about why the addiction is there in the first place. And what is the hole that you're really trying to fill? And I saw that through launching multiple businesses and starting things before I'd finished them and putting so many irons in the fire that I couldn't focus on one thing. And that was even more so more recently, very, very recent that I have made the decision to go fully in on the one thing that I'm really good at 
and getting really, really good at it and sharing that with as many people as possible. And whatever opportunities that present themselves from there, I can therefore now step into more fully as my authentic self, fulfilling my purpose with my king archetype, because archetypes are one of the most fundamental and foundational elements of the human psyche and being able to understand them fully and how they manifest in my life. How can I now embody those things and then teach others the principles of these conceptual and contextual archetypes to then therefore now achieve self-mastery for themselves? And how can that translate and transmute into their self, their health, their family, their romance, and their finance, which are the five pillars in which we as humans can use these archetypes to enhance all areas of our lives. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, uh, it, it gives a lot. I was taking a lot of notes on your, your journey. It gives a lot of context. Um, and, you know, there's so many just interesting parts in there. I, but I love when you were talking about once you got to the part about attachments. And I think that that's a lot of times what's what's happening. We don't even realize like uh, attached to this outcome, attached to this um, person, attached to um, this thing that I want, attached to uh, uh, a validation I'm seeking, like all of these things that we make up that we don't even know why sometimes until we start asking ourselves why and start diving into the, um, you know, what what am I trying to fill? What's going on like internally? And it's it's interesting because sometimes, a lot of times, we try to seek like external answers everywhere and we're looking everywhere but within. And the, uh, to me, sometimes the irony in that is that internally is where um, we can like sit with our emotions for a minute. See, I, I, I learned that a lot of times when we're looking for external answers, we're still avoiding internal emotions. We're still prolonging things. And the moment we actually get within our emotions and go like, bro, I love you. What's this about? Like, let's, let's just unpack this for a minute. <laughs> let's like, just take a minute to like unpack. But there's layers and levels to get that. And there's different types of tools, as you alluded to, you know, everything from everybody, what everybody, what uh, Nathan was alluding to, Katie Kylene episode, um, Gateway Healing. It's now called Gateway Heart Healing. Uh, and it's, today is one of the most popular episodes we've ever had. Um, blockages that you don't even know are happening um, from basically leading the life that, you know, you're trying to lead and what you're really here to do and how it happens at a very subconscious level um, and, and to how we can, you know, dive into the parts that we can't even see in a whole other realm and a whole other world than just this, you know, material body here on earth that we're in. Um, but yeah, so having these different tools and having these different modalities that actually allow us to like understand our emotions, unpack them, dive into them, alleviate them, heal them, work with them. Um, and that's going to be lifelong. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's the, that's the other part is I think people put pressures on themselves, right? Like you probably see this all the time with, with clients and even within yourself, like you're constantly going to be in your mastery, but I, and I bet you're constantly learning on your own stuff, but I bet you're also, um, you're probably seeing whether your, your clients think that like, Oh, like I just need the, the fix. And you're like, well, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's an entire journey, right? Right. And it's, and it's not linear. No, you know, it's there's not. no one it's pill not. like, Hey, here's this magical healing, right? After one Reiki session or one gateway heart healing session right. or one, you know, psychedelic experience, you know, this is going to make all your problems go away. Right. No, that's, that's <laughs> why they call it shadow work. Yeah. Is because it's these unknown parts of ourselves that we keep encountering that show up with different manifestations through different experiences. You know, uh, I'm glad you bring up the shadow work. I want to talk about that. And I, it was interesting because I did level two again this last weekend. Um, and I love how um, 
So shadow work, there's there's victim side and there's abuser side. There's a vi- like you know sometimes like you know in victim side. By the way, everybody listening is like you know like oh why does this always happen to me? Oh why do I always eat this? Or oh, why does this always happen in business or with money or whatever it might be? Right? Victim self. Victim self wants to be heard. Abuser self. That means like where maybe you're making bad choices or you're doing you know wrong things or you know you're you're compromising your integrity or your values, whatever. Abuser self. That stay, shadow self stays hidden, does not want to be seen, wants to be overlooked, wants to pretend it's not even there. <laughs> and it's easy for people to cry out about what they want and how everybody's doing them wrong versus being like, but what did I do? <laughs> but what did I do wrong? And like, how you know, and again, the type of friends that we all keep are um, the type of people that I know that are around me are like, how did you show up in that instance? What did you, how did you end up in that position? What happened? What did you do and contribute? So shadow self, how do you get people to start recognizing shadow self or at least having a relationship with that side of like the side that's not maybe making the best decisions or is in some way blocking them, hurting them, doing things to others they don't even realize, but you know, they're also not able to like unpack it. How do you get people to, to face that? Yeah. And just to even segue off of what you were saying, it's just, you know, it's like, what did you do? How did you do it? Wh- what what was really there? But taking that one step deeper is asking why. Why mm-hmm. is this there? Why is this important? Why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. And then going seven la- layers deeper into that, right? Because quite frankly, the conceptual aspect of why do you do something, it's very surface layer. But like right. you said, everything comes in these layers. So let's keep asking why until we can't think of any other reason, knowing that the root why is actually underneath all the other stories that are created. Are people scared? Are they are they are they just like are they just absolutely scared of the concept of like dealing with their own their own shit, their own emotions? Is that like what stops them like that before even even attempting to understand? I think there is a subconscious fear, but more so it's just a place of unawareness. Yeah. They're just unaware that it's even there in the first place. That too. A lot of the times people will say I'm anxious, but I don't know why, and I keep on being tense, but I don't know why. I'm this way, but I don't know why. And I keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Hmm. So it's simply asking why. And quite frankly, as a coach, right, my job is to ask the questions that you're not asking yourself. Right. And I'm going to push you to those places. And when you say, I don't know, I'm going to ask you, well, what what would it look like if you did know? Yeah. And right. And just keep on pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling as uncomfortable as it is. That is the fastest, fastest way to growth, right? Lean into discomfort, right? It's a very kind of thrown around term, but when you really look at it and instead of just leaning into discomfort in the things that you're doing, look at the ways that you are being. And now let's look at that and let's develop a relationship. Now, instead of shaming yourself and having this negative self-talk, which is where the NLP, the neuro linguistics programming comes in, how we speak to ourselves becomes the reality in which we live and create around us. So true. Right. And the way I help people uncover these is through the archetypes, right? Mm. And we can use one archetype in, in specifics specifically that goes to purpose, right? Because if, if a human being is not rooted in their purpose, which we see in the entrepreneurial space all the time, a lot of the times it will cause that shiny object syndrome, SOS syndrome, right? Yes. SOS, 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 help, help, help. I need to reach outside of me. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this rather than just sit with it. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you look at the shadow self of let's use the King archetype, right? And you said there's the aggressor, there's the victim, there's the abuser, there's the victim. Mm-hmm. I look at it from a different scale. Mm -hmm. I look at it from an inflated, deflated shadow, right? Because when we say something is the abuser or the victim, that 
subconsciously, because of the definition and the language we were given, right. it gives us a negative connotation Abs saying it's bad. Absolutely. So in order for somebody to look at it from a different lens with a new perspective that allows them to see it through a more gentle nature and lens, I say, look at the inflated aspect of a king. We look at an inflated king and what do we see? We see a tyrant, right? And for the women at out there, we can use a queen. We see the red queen, we see off with their heads, right? If it's not my way, and if it gets in the way, I will kill you, I will get you out of my way, and I will do anything I have to, no matter how much damage and destruction I have to create around me. Because after all, it's my purpose and all the collateral damage is necessary. But again, are we really trying to pursue our purpose on a, de on a destructive path or a constructive path? So that's the inflated aspect of the king. But when we look at the deflated king, we see Joffrey, right, from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. We see a young man who is thrown into a position of power, into a purpose in which he doesn't fully understand his why. So it's blind and misdirected, but it comes with a level of power. So now am I using actions unintentionally, right, in that aspect? And we can apply this to several different archetypes. I use five con conceptual archetypes, the king, the hunter, right? The magician or the wizard. And then I use the Romeo or the Juliet. And in the middle is the steward. It's the balance. It's also the self-assessment process to see, are we leaning too heavily on one archetype and how does it influence the others? And where do we see these things manifesting in our life? And just to cover the others briefly, we have the warrior, the hunter, the huntress, which is the holder of boundaries, right? How do we approach our purpose from the king archetype from the magician the wizard the witch that is the alchemizer of our purpose right how do we take a and create it into b how does that show up are we manipulating it to create what we want or are we again not really stepping into our full ownership of how we create magic and then we can look at our romeo juliet right how is our love and are we showing it in a way that becomes addicted or are we just luring people in because we're misdirected, misguided, and just completely misconstrued on what it is exactly we need to create love in our life for whether it be self or through relationships? And how does the steward assess that? How do we actually confront that? How do we question that? How do we build a relationship with it and then establish a solid balance around it? And now how does each archetype show up in our self, our health, our family, our romance, and our finance? And how can we find the commonalities in between? And without having hatred or shame or guilt or remorse or any of these forceful, energetic emotions, how can we create force into power? Right? And that's directly from David Hawking's book, right? Power versus force. Mm -hmm. How can we start using higher vibrations and energies to build relationships with our shadow and accept those parts in us that we despise ourselves? As one of my friends once told me, intimacy is not between two human beings. Intimacy is into me I see. We find the things in which we love in other people about ourselves. And we also find the things in which we dislike about other people in ourselves. And that is a mere reflection of our shadow. Amen. And that's so true. Keep going. It's, it's, no, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. And that's, I, that's, that's really it. And once, once you're getting there, right, how can you practice compassion? You've looked at that side saying, well, I don't like this self about myself and I don't like the way I show up. You don't have to like it, but in order to heal it, you must feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of it is, is a lot of people are unaware that it's even there. And it's not the fact that they're afraid to look at it, but there is a subconscious driver 
and maybe it's a family system thing. Maybe it's how they saw love in their childhood. Maybe it's how they saw love in a former relationship. And maybe they were shamed this way at one point in time, whether it was from a micro trauma in school being bullied for being emotional, or whether it was a macro trauma in a relationship, or maybe it was a mega trauma from abuse or abandonment or neglect or anything of that nature. Mm. You know, <laughs> uh, first of all, the, the archetypes a very, very interesting approach because the polarities it, well, in each one, the polarities of how they show up either aggressive or, or not, you know, and then how they have to find that, that balance in the middle for each one. And then how all five actually play together. I thought that was really interesting into me. I see that's good. That's really, and it's, it's really true because it's like the relationship we have with ourself is what we will see in another and we'll see both the good and we can easily see the things that can trigger us up because it's like, Oh, wait a minute. That trigger has nothing to do with them. It just happens to do with me just because I'm seeing it within them or it's creating a, 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 a thought, feeling, or emotion that's happening internally in me. And it's reminding me of that, but that's not their fault. They have a whole other path and they're human. Like, so, you know, cause you get a lot of times, I think people also in relationships, they think that the, that their partner is going to be perfect for life. I'm like, no, that is never going to be that way at all. It's going to be about your journey with a partner that will stay on that journey. Hopefully if that's, you know, two people work towards that. Um, and they're going to see, within each other mirrors a lot of times, you know? So I thought that was, but that was really interesting. And then um, in order to heal it, you must feel it. That's huge. Cause I feel like if you don't take time to understand your emotions, which then uh, helps you better, not only handle it internally, but handle it when you see it, when you feel like you're being attacked or when you feel like somebody else is in it, you, you're able to, you know, to your point about practicing compassion, you can't really practice compassion unless you actually have given it to yourself, unless you understand like what you've healed from or what you, you know, what uh, hurt looks like, what, what uh, you know, pain looks like, all these things. And so, I, and I said it on a recent podcast too, is like people try to avoid conflict, they create more conflict. Like they try to avoid pain, they create more pain. You got to lean into it, you got to understand it. And I remember being in situations where more recently, understanding this has really helped me even in business because like when I hear somebody very aggressive or very overwhelmed or very like or even attacking, I'm able now in almost an instant to be like, oh, like they're really hurting right now. They want validation. They're, there's uncertainty in their life. They're, like I can feel all of their energy. The only way I know that is because I have healed some aspects of that at some point in myself to be able to even recognize it like they're fucking overwhelmed right now. And I'm able to then remove myself because the other thing is people, if you're not careful, if you don't heal it, you'll take things personally from other people projecting on you. And that's huge. That's so big, right? 100%. And I mean, even on that note, like intimacy is the root of attachment. Yeah. Right. And just like you said, until we actually heal that within ourselves, how can we find compassion for that in another person? Yes. Because now we're attached to this unrealistic result that we've created this idea or image of in our head. Yeah. And therefore it doesn't become a reality, it becomes a story. And now we're painting that story around every single other human experience we're encountering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ability to say to somebody, um, I, and I love when I do this when they're like, I'm so sorry. And I, I know I just, I can't believe I just said that. I'm like, it's all good. And like hold that space for them. They're like, yeah, but I was, I was behaving like this. I'm like, yeah, no, I get you. And they actually like, they feel this respect of like, wow. Um, you didn't judge me. You didn't anything. I'm like, no, I get you. I've, I've, I've been there and I've healed it. And like, I know exactly where you are in this moment. Um, and I'm able to hold that space of compassion for you and not take it personally, not be attached 
to whatever's happening in, in that over there. We become essentially way more effective to other people um, versus being reactive to people in their behaviors to us or in and at large. Yeah, know? because it's just relativity and empathy at that point. Yep. Right? Because it's like I see it a lot of the times, right? I dropped out of college in my sophomore year, right? I am in no way a doctor of physical therapy. I'm not a doctor of chiropractics, but I'm still able to help people heal in the physical aspect of movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've received some resistance with that. You know, there's this whole, you know, this isn't within your scope of practice and this, this, that, and the third. But the reason people come and see me is not for my service. They come and see me because I'm, I'm me and I can relate to them. It's almost like going to, again, a physical therapist who's never had an injury. Sure, they're having, they have the education and the tools to help, but do they have that relativity and that connection to that one person to really feel into them, to really see what they're going through and have empathy for it, right? Mm -hmm. They can have compassion and maybe sympathy from that standpoint, but the empathic response with relativity is crucial, especially from a, a coaching standpoint, just like when I talk to people who are recovering from other addictions or behaviors that don't suit them, right? Addiction not attached to a drug addiction just being the byproduct to whatever they are seeking in order to make themselves feel good whether it's through porn or sex or power or control and those are the things that we don't talk about in addiction is the fact that there is a root behavior of the addiction and having the addictions that i have to heroin to power to control to greed to money to women to all these different things i get it i get it that there's a there's a hole that you're trying to fill but you don't know why. Where at the root are you feeling solves that the most? Is it in the heart? I see it through a lot of the energy centers, right? Mm -hmm. Just depending on what they're seeking gives me a general idea of where they might have a block, right? And gotcha. we've been you know, educated and told and taught about the chakra system and everything else. And me specifically, I use the eight chakra system, mm -hmm. which is the regular seven from the yogic philosophy, but then the eighth one being the auric field and the energy around, mm -hmm. right? And just seeing what is it that you're seeking? If you're seeking understanding, if you're seeking knowledge, if you're seeking this, if you're going to a course every single weekend trying to get this and get this and get this, you probably have a block in the third eye, right? So let's start yes. again, getting you out of your head, maybe into your heart, right? And using a different standpoint and saying maybe you're overactive here underactive here are you inflated or deflated mm -hmm. right in the energy center not saying you're blocked because then now you associate that to having something wrong with you right but is it inflated is it overactive is it underactive just like we have different muscles right do we have an overactive chest which is pulling our shoulders forward which is giving us improper patterns or do we have an underactive chest is it not strong enough is it not stable enough to perform the movements at hand do we meet the prerequisites before the task at hand and that's really looking at it as well. Well, and what I, I like about how you're saying, okay, like look at the activities, look at the habits, look at the things that are taking place. And then what chakra is it actually, um, you know, equated to that might be like, and for anybody listening, when we were talking about like the third eye, it's a lot of times um, seeking outside constant, um, uh, you know, advice from everywhere else, but within ourselves, we might have a block in our intuition, in our third eye that already knows what it needs to know. And we actually have to, you know, move uh further into activating it versus um you know constantly seeking uh answers everywhere else but us <laughs> exactly and then like how was that programmed yeah let's look at your family system let's look at your relationship mm -hmm. history let's look at the recurring things that are happening over and over and over and mm -hmm. over again that you Oof. see manifesting in everything in your life because how you do one thing is how you do many things yeah and if you can find the commonality 
you can find the dysfunction, you find the dysfunction, you can start identifying the patterns at hand and then creating, again, an individualized roadmap to recovery for that one behavior. It, it's so unbelievably important. I was just having this conversation too about um, patterns and um, you know, I was, I was, I was being applauded for, for, from somebody about, um, you know, how I'm handling things. And I was like, you know, I'm like, it, it's not what it looks like. I was like, what it looks like, what it really is, is you get to a point in different things that you go enough is enough of this outcome. Enough is enough. And we're the only answer. So we have to actually, like, I have to dive in and be like, let me, I need to understand why these patterns exist in the first place and what do I need to tweak in my approach to make, you know, to become more honest within it and have more honest communication, honest, um, you know, uh, dealings uh, with, with others in terms of, you know, how I want to, um, uh, you know, have my boundaries, all these things. And it's interesting because everybody's looking for the magic pill and there is no magic pill. It, it really is getting through those layers and understanding like, why are these patterns actually happening? And like, and um, when somebody was asking me like, well, what made you wanna change? I'm like, that's the hardest thing is like, I do believe, for, and, and I'd love for you to get your take on this, but I said, I just got to a point where it was so frustrating to me in, each, in, in the areas that I was talking about. I'm like, it was so frustrating to me that the only way um, you know, to change it is, or to, to get to that where I really wanted to go was to actually like dive into the details of each of these areas and like into the patterns of like, okay, this keeps happening. I have to understand why this is happening and have grace, but make change. And, you know, cause there's a balance in that cause you don't want to guilt yourself but at the same time. You have to like, you have to have to understand your patterns of like why they're you know happening. And you cannot say, well, that's just what I attract or that's just what happens on that. And no, oh, that's just the way it's always been. Like, no, you're contributing. Something energetically is contributing to that. And how do you make micro adjustments and changes, right? To, um, to re restructure the approach. And, um, and it's just done through a series of work. And then I also was telling this individual, I'm like, well, my priorities were changing. If I'm playing for where I'm heading, I can't play from where I'm at. So I have to take into consideration where I'm heading and what does that person behave like? And so how am I, you know, making those things happen in my relationships, my finances, my, my body and my health constantly like, and, and that's now dictating my decisions versus how it was always playing when you're just playing from like, well, here's where I'm at, you know? Right. And it circles back around to, again, like the only way to heal it is to feel it. Yep. And another thing I like to share with others is that the only way out is through. Yeah. If you want out of your shitty circumstances, you have to break through the circumstances. Yep. And if you're going to live in the future and have a sense of anxiety or live in the past with a sense of depression, right, then ultimately it becomes a practice of presence and commanding your attention fully yeah. task at hand now you yeah. can have an idea a vision of where you want to go but again it's the attachment to that yes which then distracts us from again ultimately being present absolutely so it is that practice of presence and working through it and feeling into it and instead of always doing 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 try being yeah just try being yeah well you know and it's it's an incredible place to play from too because like I, I think of different areas like so guys what i'm also talking about from me from my standpoint is like anytime like I'll, I'll give you an example, like going into 2020, um, I knew that there were certain areas of finance that I really wanted to better understand because I was seeing certain patterns that were fine, you know, it's healthy, but it wasn't like, but there were still patterns there that weren't, um, 
serving my greater interest and whatnot. And instead of like, you know, complaining, I literally then went and took some courses. I then went to, you know, a tax advisor, uh, you know, and a mentor and just said, hey, pretend I'm a child. Talk to me and tell me what I don't know so I can be here, I can be present, I can understand what I don't understand and I can learn and I can grow from it. Went into health, went to not only different people that I know, including you sitting across the way, but then to other people and I said, listen, I'm like, um, I don't know what I don't know. Um, I'm gonna show up. You help me understand what I don't understand. And, and to be honest with you, it's been some of the most exhilarating time of my life because I'm just being in each of those moments, showing up and enjoying what I'm learning. There's not like a, it's not attached to anything. It's just a, a betterment of my own self in each of these areas. And it's a constant learning and, and it's fun. And in a, way, a lot of ways it's fun. And it keeps, and it, it's interesting because of this, especially a healthier lifestyle. I remember when people used to ask like, what are your hobbies? When well, since I'm addicted to business, it was like, oh, uh, you know, and that was always a hard thing to answer, especially like, you know, going back years ago and like in dating and stuff like that. And now it's so interesting. I'm like, oh, uh, well actually it's, you know, it's hiking, it's working out, it's cooking. Uh, I do these uh, day trips to Sedona to, you know, Lynx Lake, I go here. Here I go there. You know, it's like, oh, I have this, I have that. Oh, I do these, um, you know, I start getting to crop. Oh my God. Like, and people are like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, that's weird. But because we started, I started being for the sake of actually like embodying the the process and growth and um and just not necessarily being attached, like, well, I don't know these things, so let me go learn from people. Yeah, hundred percent. And one thing that really resonated was like, just teach me, show me. Yeah. What 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 are you here to teach me? Yeah. And just being a psychedelic integration coach, being able to help people prepare and integrate psychedelic experiences, this is a huge part of the process as well, is anything you see on your journey inside of your experience is a direct reflection of something you're creating from within. Mm -hmm. So if you see a dark shadow or a dark spirit within your journey, right, instead of running from it or hiding from it or freaking out or panicking, surrender to it and ask, what are you here to teach me? Yeah. What are you here to teach me? And that can be applied to every other aspect outside of the experience itself. You know, if you're having a dark thought, if you're having these attachments, if you're having these periods of loneliness or depression, or you just went through a, a, a you know, a, a tragic breakup or a, a tragic incident of your life, it's looking at that experience and asking, what are you here to teach me? What can I learn from here right now? How can I apply it? How can I integrate it? Right. And it's not going to be overnight. It's not linear. It's not this magic pill. It's something that requires proficiency and consistency. And, you know, even science shows that, you know, good habits are 66 days, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can reprogram movement patterns in about three to four weeks. But when you look at the statistics of behavior change and you look at trying to change just one habit, you have an 85% success rate. You add a second one at the same time, 35%. You try to change three things, you drop to less than 5% chance of success. Mm. And it's looking at that one thing and that one experience and asking, what can I learn from this? And then becoming present and commanding attention to that one thing and finding new ways and opportunities as they come into your life to start changing it. And if your new action doesn't produce a result, then instead of saying, I, I should have done this, right? Mm -hmm. It's saying, I did this and what happened? Mm -hmm. Okay. Shift, pivot. Yes. Redirect. Yes. Instead of going in this, I should have done this and I could have done this and Guilt. I should have done this. And I exactly. And mm -hmm. then it starts this self-perpetuated shame cycle, which mm -hmm. then goes into the negative behaviors again. Yep. And it starts all over again, just like Will talks about diets. Yeah. Right. And why diets are dead. 
right? Mm-hmm. Start a diet, I failed. Let me just perpetuate the shame a little bit more and jump into another diet thinking that I'm going to have a different result, which right. is the definition of insanity. Right. You know, uh, lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a, um, you know, he talks about like, yeah, diet culture and it's like you get into one and, and I like the way he gets said, you get into one and he's like, and then you reach your goal and then you stop. He's like, but life doesn't stop. So we're not here to, to do something to get to a point and stop. We're here to sustain for like a lifelong journey that constantly um, creates more health and abundance and, and you know, a livelihood and long-term sustainability, you know, but it's a mindset shift. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change. Um, but uh, I like when you said um, about uh, with dealing with your dark thought, uh, what I was thinking when you were saying that was that when you run from a dark thought, it'll expand. But when you deal with it, it will lose its power over you. And I think that that's a part that um, I noticed on my own journey of um, whether it's your ego or whether it's a yeah, really dark thought, actually turning and stopping and be like, I'd like to talk about this. Imagine like how quickly that deflates something trying to attack you. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like your dark self would be like, okay. You know what I mean? Like it loses its power because it's like, you know, trying to jab at you the whole time. Like I'm going to keep, I'm going to no, I want to avoid you. So I run and they're like, cool. Cause I'm going to keep chasing you and keep messing with your head. You know, it's no different than now too. Like if like, people are like really frustrated, um, you know, external of us, um, if they're really frustrated or they're going through something, I literally will pick up the phone before they're even done and call them like, Hey, let's talk. What's going on? Like, Oh, I, uh, 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 I'm like, what's up? Like, what's happening? What's going on? Let's not go back and forth through text and let's do all the dance and all this other stuff. Like, let's talk. What are you feeling? What's going on? What's happening? Talk to me. And like, man, you can de-escalate a situation like that. Like, <laughs> within seconds. Now, how was I able to do that? Well, I was able to also do that with myself. <laughs> we cannot do for others what we don't already do for ourselves. Like, hey, Matt, I want to deal with you right now. You, I don't know where you're coming from with this, so I want to deal with you right now. And then I found that it bleeds over into everybody else. That's why like, we're our greatest... We are our greatest gift to the world when we treat ourselves like that, when we actually like give ourselves grace. And I thought it was great that you also brought up about guilt. That will just depress the hell out of you. Um, and waking up, I think that's part of why waking up and doing the work also is difficult for a lot of people because once you start unpacking things, first of all, ignorance is bliss. So now that you know something, you can't go back. And then two, when I've noticed, when I started a lot of transformation about seven years ago, what I started noticing was, uh, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, you realize some stuff, you're like, this is amazing. And then you also think about where it basically blocks you from this, 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 this. And you're like, I'm going to go cry now for about an hour. <laughs> like, because it's like, there's this like balance between freedom and the guilt of how much time, how much time did I like take away from not knowing this? So I had to learn grace because it's like, the only reason you're coming to this freedom now is because of that. And we can't just like be guilting ourselves every time like we didn't execute or we didn't do something right. Or even, you know, as you're saying, like with the things like, oh, that didn't turn out right. Like, no, that, that perfect. What can we alter right in this moment with that? Tweak, 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 tweak. And that is embracing the process on a daily basis. Exactly. And I really saw that showing up in my life in relationships is, well, I spent so much time in this relationship and I put two and a half years into this and I could have, you know, had all these different things. And the one practice that I had to 
keep coming back to, which is what I do with my clients as well, is finding the gift, Mm -hmm. right? Finding the gift and knowing that that time was just an attachment to the construct of the reality in which you're creating. Mm -hmm. And if you, however you want to look at it, it's just a perception. Yeah. How can we shift to a different vantage point? How can we look at it through an objective lens rather than working from one of the lowest three emotional vibrations being hopelessness, shame, and guilt? How can we work towards some of the higher vibrations of enlightenment, of love, of bliss, of joy, Mm -hmm. right? How can we start looking at it from that place and finding joy through the pain? How can we find the lesson, the gift within the trauma? You know, and that is the process. That is the process in which we can start looking at things from a different lens. Mm. That's amazing, man. Um, what what do you, what kinds of things are you like programs are you working on now with clients or you've got coming up? Like I'm I'm because I know you've got a bunch of different things happening and uh, um, and areas that you're focusing on. And and also, is it only men? Are you working with men and women? Is it you know? Um, I, and and you can also talk a little bit. I wanted you to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, the psycho spiritual transformation too, because, um, and working with psychedelics and things like that, because it's still newer territory for a lot of people. Um, it's much more, um, heard of now, which is cool. And they're seeing like, you know, decriminalization of, you know, mushrooms and things like that in certain states. But I think that people don't always understand that too. So I'd love for you to expand on that as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, um, I'll start with this, the, the psycho spiritual work, yeah, right? Yeah. Because, that is, again, very foreign territory. There's not a lot of things around that really promote it in a legal way. And, you know, to be very clear, I do not provide and I'm not selling and I'm not doing these things. I'm simply coaching and helping lead others through the process that I found and through the education and the training that I've received through becoming an addiction recovery coach and, a, and an entheogenic integration coach. And also doing several courses and and working with several mentors on microdosing protocols and seeing how we can start using these things to optimize and transform our lives. And, you know, one of the biggest things and misconceptions is that with psychedelics is that they are used to alter your reality. When in reality, when we start looking at it, it's Hmm. just showing you everything in which you're not looking at. Right. Is it a hallucination or is it just the fact that you haven't been paying attention? There you go. Right. Right. And the primary role of also microdosing is not to, again, create this euphoric experience because a microdose does not create visualizations. Right. If you take a heavier macrodose, it could potentially alter, you know, mechanics and motor control and all these things. But when you look at it, the primary role and responsibility of microdosing is to shut down the default mode network that Joe Dispenza talks about all the time. That instant. the mode in that network that immediately tells us to react a certain way, right? But it gives us more time in between the emotion and the action Mm -hmm. that allows us to look at it, whether it be a thought, whether it be something that your partner does that you don't like and more your, your, your kid does something and you, you're normally snapping at them, but now you're like, Oh, why are they doing that? Mm -hmm. Right? It gives you a different perspective and it gives you almost like a buffer time, right? It's like a buffer for your fuck up Yeah, (laughs) is, is really what it is. Right? So when I help people prepare for these experiences, whether it's through microdosing or whether it's through a full journey, I'm actually taking them through my coaching process. I'm taking them through uncovering their archetypes, finding from a conscious place before they dive into the collective unconscious, which is more of the psychedelic realm, right? Working from the conscious realm and finding subconscious blocks and limiting behaviors. So that way we're still incorporating the work. And then after the experience, showing them just a little bit more. Right. And then the integration is taking the lessons from that experience and applying them to the work that we had just realized at the start. Right. And that's really what it looks at. 
And, you know, I do work more one-on-one in those situations, in those settings. And, you know, the person already is probably on their own journey. They're probably already getting their mushrooms or their LSD somewhere else, right? I'm just supplying the coaching and the integration behind it. So that way they don't just have an experience and then they're lost. Because the most crucial part of psychedelic experiences is being able to look at it, reflect on it, sit with it, and apply it, right? If we're just eating mushrooms to eat mushrooms, then of course it's just going to be an experience. And again, it's based on your set setting and and, and environment, right? Are you setting an intention? What's your intention? Where's the setting, right? Is it in a ceremonial space or are you taking it at a party, right? What's your environment? Who are the people you're around? Do you feel safe? And are you you know, standing in your sovereignty of just putting a blindfold on and having your own experience and then being able to, to have these conversations, right? And being a guide, I can, I can have these conversations. I can sit and hold that space for them, right? Holding that space for them, letting them know they're safe, setting the space, clearing the energy of the room, having this, this, this experience for them that they can, again, have, have such a transformative experience through, right? Again, being a guide. Exactly. Being their guy, right? Being the steward, mm-hmm. the steward of their journey, mm-hmm. of their hero's journey, and then uncovering their own archetypes, mm. right? And it leads a little bit more into my, my program that I'm creating for starting 2021. It's a six month transformation. Nobody want, no, everybody wants the magic pill, but I'm not going to give it to them, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people fail to commit after about three months, right? So I created something where it can be six months, and having a background as a health coach. And now working through the subconscious mind and being able to heal deeper layers outside of a therapy setting where it's not the traditional therapeutic setting, I can start again, allowing them to uncover their own process for change and transformation because change and transformation has to come from within. Mm -hmm. I'm just giving them the perspective, the resources and the tools and the education. So that way they can start seeing that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to (laughs) say through the six month program, I broke it down into four phases. The first phase being the hero's journey. Where are they at? Where do they want to go? What is their vision? And then looking at the archetypes, the things that may have held them back, you know, giving them a deeper perspective on who they are, where they are, why are they there? And then going into mastering the mind, right? Understanding where attachments come from, understanding and destigmatizing addiction, looking at traumas and triggers and looking at them more through a compassionate lens, right? And just being able to have a conversation in an open container, a safe space for them to do so. Because 90% of the time, they just need to feel safe in talking about it and knowing that it's held in confidentiality with deep reverence. Mm. And then going into this, the, the six pillar, pillars of human optimization with sleep, stress management, nutrition, supplementation, movement, environment, biohacking, all the things that they need to optimize their body. And then the last aspect being the masculine and feminine energies, right? We, we hear about these terms being thrown around a lot mm-hmm. and I wanted to offer my perspective on that and I want them to again find their definition their intention hence my brand name new intention mm-hmm. what is their intention how do they interpret masculine and feminine what does that mean to them how does it show up in their life and how do you find a balance or a calibration between the two and throughout this six-month process I'm also offering the alternative personal training program right? To reestablish their flexibility, their mobility, their stability, their strength, their coordination, all the things in which they need to do to optimize their body. So literally everything from point A to point Z is there and mm-hmm. they have all the resources they need for a six month period. No excuses. Exactly. <laughs> there's, no, there's zero room for excuses. And it's an interesting time with these. Uh, I find um, the this like with all the healers and with health and wellness, like and these types of like transformational coaching, we're heading into a very um, uh, responsible time 
you know, and I always say this to each of you the same way. It's like, um, we're heading into a time where never than before have this many people started to get to a point where like, I got to work through this. Don't I? Yes. Yes, you do. That's where we're at. You know, you can call it other things the way it's being called, you know, publicly and globally and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's really this relationship with yourself and the only way out is through. And so it's an interesting time because the level of responsibility for the people, for the, for the players of the field, you know, the, the new players, uh, the new coaches of the field, you know, are, it's a new dynamic. Uh, and it's met with a lot of responsibility because of how many people are going to flood in, um, to do this level of work. And sometimes, and it's, and it's always interesting. I always find it fun to tell you and others, um, you know, I think we grasp it, but I think we don't at the same time because it's a flood. You're talking about hundreds of millions of people, billions of people worldwide, but hundreds of millions of people flooding in to be like, there's only one way out, isn't there? And you're like, there's only one way out. The old way is gone. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I see a lot of this predominantly with men which is why I'm so inspired and empowered with men's work, mm -hmm. you know, just going through that process myself. And that's really what kind of drove that conversation between the masculine and the feminine. Cause I started looking at those questions within like what masculine and feminine resides within me and you know, the work that I've done in the groups that I've facilitated for sacred sons among others, men's groups and men's coaches is a lot of men are also waking up to this. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of women are, you know, and this is where we start seeing energetic shifts start to play out. That's why I opened my program for men and women is because predominantly my one-on-one -on -one clients are women, are women. I am passionate about the men, but I'm also meeting them where they're at. And we're coming to a time where again, this, this extreme ownership is coming and it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Extreme ownership is coming. It's inevitable. Boom. That's it. That's it. We have no choice. Everyone has been literally placed into a, a, a position of there is no choice. There is no other choice. And, um, and the longer they prolong it, the more anxiety is going to be, is going to be manifested from this world. That is, that's all that's left. That that's, that's the only thing, the only drug left that's being pushed. Yeah. And that's fear the, and panic. That, and that is a choice in itself, right? Yeah. People are being, being presented an opportunity. I wouldn't say that, you know, there is no choice, right? they are given the opportunity to make this choice now. There you go. Right. Very well said. And that is what free will is. Mm -hmm. We have the will to get out of it by moving through it, or we can keep avoiding it where inevitably the universe is going to bring it back around one way or another. Cause time does repeat itself. Yep. Right. When we start looking at the Fibonacci sequence and the spiral and we mm -hmm. start seeing how time has repeated itself over and over and over again, what we're seeing, even with the pandemic, Right. It's not like this is the first go around of a pandemic. Right. This has right. happened before. And it's <laughs> not like these wars haven't happened before. They're just being presented in a different way. Mm -hmm. It's the same content with a different context mm -hmm. packaged it, in a different construct. Well, and the, it, that's the interesting part is the packaging. And we're in a, in a hypersensitive, hyper um, uh, technologically driven society. So it's it's a whole other heightened, you know, package <laughs> than ever before. <laughs> I don't like, I don't really know the best way to say it, but it's like, we're playing with a new, a new level of, um, uh, connectivity because of technology, which can easily go even harder on everybody's, um, 
uh, internal nervous system in a whole new light. I mean, it was different when there was, you know, issues back in like 1900 and like you knew something was going on across the pond and like, uh, you know, uh, the UK or, you know, or in France or something like that, but you couldn't see it. You were dealing with your own things separate, but now with hyperconnectivity, are you kidding me? And shared energies mm-hmm. and a package on top of that, that also has got its own agenda. Like, woo. Yeah. And I think again, like this, yeah. this construct we're talking about, the packaging is just the, the time of delivery. Yes. Right. Back in the day, we had to wait a week before yeah. we received information. Right? right. But now we get on Facebook or Instagram yeah. and we can see that shit live. Yeah. Right. We can see a plane going over somewhere in the Middle East, dropping bombs. And we're literally looking at it in our nervous system. It's just like seeing something shot in front of us mm-hmm. or traumatic and instant in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it's amplifying the amount of trauma and it's amplifying the amount of sensitivity mm-hmm. that we have, right? And it's, again, why are we using it? Why are we going to it? Like, what is it? Like Instagram is now, unfortunately, where a lot of people are getting most of their information from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leaving the politics out of it and you see fact checking and all this other things, data is being skewed once more, right? And again, it's been repeating itself. When we look at scientific studies, it's been found data was skewed data was manipulated in order to gain an outcome right yeah. and if we can detach ourselves again circling back to this away from the outcome to the process of just being you know what does that look like what does that feel like mm-hmm. and what, what what's an alignment for us mm-hmm. right where where do we stand in this where's my truth where's my alignment how do i stand strong in my purpose in my boundaries in my magic in my love and where will that take me boom exactly and that journey, I also, I want to encourage people to understand that like that journey is, it's not overnight, but it also doesn't mean like it's um, all traumatic and, you know, it's actually, not it, at all. it does actually become quite fun because you're, the only reason a lot of the anxiety and uncertainty is there is because you're not just taking the time to dive into the details. Once you start diving into the details you 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 actually are creating your own source of empowerment versus an external thing that's constantly empowering you motivating you and then you deflate empower motivating inspiring and then you deflate but when you're actually like deconstructing everything that's happening and 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 taking the time to i don't know it's cool to take the time to get to know yourself it's fun it's a lot of fun like you're like i didn't know i could do that like i didn't know i liked that i didn't know this i didn't know that and like the it, there's a um a a consistent um uh, empowerment that's happening that's organic not manufactured from an outside world and then because we you know what do we do we get inspired from other people and then boom we like you know we're not um and so yeah i think that again i say it a lot but the process i i, I didn't understand it for many years but the diving into the process and embracing the process and loving the process is actually a lot more fun than sometimes normal society says like, Oh, you got to love the process. And then you're like, can you go on a little bit about that? Or are you not living it either? And you just put preaching that. Um, but I realized like, no, the process really is a lot of fun because it's just basically getting to know yourself in new ways. Um, and removing so quickly the things that mess with you that they're not even real. Uh, I mean, they may feel very real, but we have the ability to like, deflate them almost instantly yeah exactly yeah. man and i 100 percent agree like it doesn't always have to be traumatic but that's also the beauty of polarity right. no matter how painful right. it is it can be pleasurable mm-hmm. right and it's finding pleasure the gift within the experience you know because again 
we're also run by a society that has a lot of labels and connotations to thing addiction trauma all these other you know things that people associate negative connotations to but it's again looking at it through a different lens the personal lens like you said it's a constant journey of self-empowerment constant movement constantly motion constant energy in motion because we are not standstill beings we have our heart pumping the entire time Mm-hmm. And as long as that energy is being emitted, every single second is a new possibility. Every single second is a new opportunity. Every single second is a new experience mm. in which we can look at that through. And it's looking at the past experiences and seeing what was the gift? What was the lesson? How can I carry this forward? So in other words, you'll be busy at least till 2035, 2040, 2050 <laughs> for a very long, very, very long time. That's amazing. I'm glad, I'm glad you've got what you're going to be doing in 2021. And, you know, I've been a part of your, your journey the last couple of years, few years and, and watching you grow and then also uh, and watching what you want to do in, with your business and how you help others um, and watching your own mastery. I mean, man, like if it's somebody who's like, I'm figuring this out. <laughs> it's definitely been you. Like I, I'm like, here I'm like running and I'm like, this guy over here, I'm like, he's like, you know, um, but I, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed watching it um, because, um, you know, it's better than the people. Uh, it's better than when people are like, um, they're still, I feel empathy and compassion with the ones that are complaining, but I also like lose patience sometimes because I'm like, none of I, like my, my it was funny i was talking to my mother you know who's been dealing with being a widow for this last year and she's like and talking about like she's really in a position where every decision she's making is all completely on her own imagine that like, you're partnered for 52 years who predominantly made most of the decisions and she's like yeah and i was like what is it really about for you and she's like well you know i was like just to say like what is it really about she's like you know i don't want to make the wrong wrong decision i'm like I was like, can I let you in on a little secret and she's like yeah i'm like none of us know what we're doing i did a post on this none of us know and she's like I'm like, it's not about right or wrong. That's not what you're here to do. Like, it's just about movement. That's it. Like, that's all it is. You know, like, don't, there's not this right. There's this wrong. Is this, this? I'm like, the empowerment just comes from just making constant decisions and figuring out like how to move and how to, I was like, but you're, you're, you're sitting in the anxiety because you're relying on an external world to give you answers that will never be the ones you're really looking for. And the ones you're really looking for are already the ones you know. I was like, that's mm. why you that's why you jump from person to person to person to try to get an idea of like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Until the person, boom, says exactly what you already know. Right. And even then, sometimes it gets altered because you're still maybe appreciating these other opinions. You got to get to a place where it's internal and none of us know what we're doing. Exactly. You know? And I mean, I even made a post about this not too long ago too. It was like, there is no such thing as wrong feelings. Yeah. The one thing people keep saying is I don't want to feel this way. And this was a wrong thing, a wrong way to feel. And I was like, well, who's telling you that? Right. Is it you or is it your boyfriend from 10 years ago? Right. Is it you or was it your dad or your mom or your teacher from second grade who told you it's not okay for you to feel this way? Right. There are no such thing as wrong feelings. There's right. no such thing as a wrong action. And yeah, you say I've been running, but dude, I've been tripping and falling, eating shit. <laughs> like, oh, the, the whole, whole way. <laughs> the whole way. The whole way. I like, I, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, it is not linear. I was like, it is not linear at all. Uh, and um, I love the expression. Um, it doesn't get easier. We just get better. You mm-hmm. know? And that's actually where mastery is, though, because you're like, because now even as things come up, I can actually feel my body like it starts to heat up or it starts to like this. And it's like and it self-regulates. because It's like, no, 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 no. You already know the tools <laughs> go right into the tool. Like it, and it's just it's cool. Practice. It's like everything else. It's just practice. You know, Dude, that's proficiency. amazing. Proficiency. Where where can everybody find you online? 
They can find me on almost every social channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, at Nathan Kohlerman. And then I'm getting a new website, but they can find my website at neuintention.com. Boom. I love it. You're getting a new website, huh? Yes, all right, sir. all right, all right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, you're welcome back on anytime. You know, it's a journey driven podcast. I always tell everybody that. Thank you, um, brother. Yeah, well, you know, um, things are changing pretty fast these days. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow might be, you know, a whole other like planet we're living on. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take the gear though with us. Quantum leap into another yeah, dimension. Easily. You know? Easily. I'll, I'll quantum leap you and see you, uh, you know, either, you know, 10 years from now tomorrow or. <laughs> no, I appreciate you being on the show. You're welcome back on anytime. Um, and, uh, you know, and for, uh, just opening up about your journey and how you've done a lot of the work, you continue to do a lot of work. Cause like, I just, I really want people to see that as, um, the idea of coaches are just people further along that can better understand and navigate you because they've done the work and are continuing to do the work versus, you know, the alternative, which is a lot of times you get people who like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And we have to lean on the people as do as I say, because I do. Awesome, man. Right? Yeah, 100%. So, thank yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. you. This is a long time coming. And yeah. again, thank you for the several years of mentorship, yeah. and friendship, your brotherhood. I fucking love you, man. Thank you uh, so much. Man, I love you too, brother. Appreciate you. And for everybody listening, um, you can find him, Nathan Kollerman, N-A-T-H-A-N-K-O-H-L-E-R-M-A-N on Instagram newintention.com n-e-u-i-n-t-e-n-t-i-o-n newintention.com but you can connect with him on every platform Uh, and uh, Nathan's very approachable like just reach out to him you can find out about um, his uh, programs and you help people not just in Arizona like all over the world right yeah yeah. globally globally so uh, as long as they speak English of course because I don't know any other foreign languages he actually knows Japanese he's lying and so if you (laughs) (laughs) so if you if you want to put him to the test no Um, but yeah so uh, feel free to reach out to him through you know uh, Insta or uh, email etc do you want what's your email that you want to use or yeah it's just Nathan at newintention.com perfect so you can ask about his programs coming up um and then of course if you're out in arizona you come visit us like we all love having our people we know there's a lot of people coming here these days <laughs> mm-hmm. i love so, hugs i love yeah, hugs you know so yeah and this man will like <laughs> this man will help you out in a million different ways so as he continues to help himself along the journey so appreciate you brother thank you appreciate for you. for nathan for myself matt gossman for the hustle sold separately i appreciate all you guys man for real thank you for all the the ratings and the reviews and the feedback you guys are incredible and uh, it really just it, it's made my whole world thank you